Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you're looking for real-life radio, you've come to the right place. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I can play that on my guitar. Just, just not like that. Ding, ding. Where's the next note? Ding. <laughs> Thanks for making us part of your weekend, Capi. Uh, I'm sorry, Vasya Capellas is going to be joining us from uh, Rio de Janeiro. From the Olympic Games, global news reporter is there, and she'll be with us in a little bit this hour. So, global news reports that a, quote, notorious repeat convicted rapist has been released back onto the streets of Calgary. The release is terrifying one of his victims. No surprise, because James Alexander Pratt who's been let out of prison on statutory release, according to the Parole Board of Canada. Is it Pratt or Perrant? Scott will tell me in a second. He's been in and out of prison. I think it's Perrant. He's been in and out of prison uh, for decades. In 1987, Perrant broke into a house, tied up the woman owner, and repeatedly raped her over a period of hours. So that woman is now terrified at the news of Perrant's release. How did Mr. Perrant earn his release? Well... Scott Newark, former Crown Attorney in Alberta, former Senior Policy Advisor to the Federal Minister for Public Safety, is going to explain that to us. Scott, how did uh, how does this how did this gentleman obtain his release? Well, first of all, it is James Alexander Perrant, and I probably wouldn't describe him as a gentleman. Wow. Um, it, it frankly angers me that we are still talking about cases like this. The Calgary Police. Uh, who clearly are doing their job, uh, issued a statement on uh, Friday giving a public notice that this guy had, that was about to be released into the, uh, the community. Uh, and their ability to do that, Roy, is actually governed by uh, provincial statute, which essentially you know, says that if they have grounds to believe that somebody is being released and they pose a high risk to public safety, that they can make that kind of a public statement. But you have to wonder when you look at this, what the hell is going on if... You know, the police are of the view that this is a guy who's a high risk, and yet we find it when we do drill down a little bit that, in fact, he's been released early from a jail sentence. And as I started going into uh, some of the, uh, the media reporting on this, the first thing that caught my attention, uh, it's, uh, as you noted, it's reported that he has been released on statutory release, which is the form of early release from a jail sentence that, in Canadian law, you presumptively are entitled to uh, after the expiration of two-thirds of your sentence. We'll get back to that in a second. But when I saw this line in the story that said uh, the board, meaning the parole board, said his release is mandated by law given he has served two-thirds of his sentence, I want to be really, really clear about this because if that is accurate, that that's what the board said, that is a flat-out lie. We've changed the laws in this country so that people, it is true that there is a presumptive early release at two-thirds of the sentence. That's in Section 127 of the Corrections and uh, Conditional Release Act. But the law now also says there's an exception to that, and that the 
individual can be held for their full sentence if the parole board concludes that they pose a high risk of reoffending in a sexual or violent nature. That's in Section 129, Subsection 2. Okay, those were all changes that came to the law, by the way, after innocent Canadians had been victimized and the you know, the notion was, oh, well, gee whiz, there's nothing we can do about it. And so the laws ultimately got changed to create that exception. But guess what, folks? This is Canada. So there's an exception to the exception. And you know what? In our country, the parole board, although they, like quite logically, have the power to deny this uh, form of early release at two-thirds, they can only do it if Correctional Service of Canada, in effect, is called a referral. They refer the case for the board to make that decision. If Correctional Service of Canada doesn't refer the case, then they have to release him. Okay. How Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Scott. Correctional Service Canada, those are the people who said to me on the air that we're all, what was it, not unconvicted, non-convicted? Non-serving non offenders in the community, I think. Yeah, not unconvicted, yeah. non-convicted individuals living in the community. Yeah, it's, Roy, it is, this is a disgrace, and... If it is the case that Correctional Service of Canada did not refer this individual for detention, I mean, the board, in the same story, the board says, in a, here's a quote, it says, in a written decision, the board told Perrant, quote, you pose a high risk to reoffend sexually. Well, excuse me, but that's the criteria for keeping him in custody. And we've also created special tools, as you well know, you and I worked on it together years ago, so that... You know, if somebody is kept for their full sentence, in the old days it used to be that we literally had to wait for another victim before the state could intervene to do anything. Right. And in one case in particular with a bad guy named uh, Joe Fredericks, who abducted and raped and murdered a little uh, boy named Christopher Stevenson, yeah. we changed the laws so as to allow for specialized orders that are exactly like parole orders uh, that the police can bring even after a guy has served a sentence, which if they determine that he poses a high risk, which is, of course, the criteria to keep him in custody in the first place. So given what the Calgary Police Service has said about Mr. I said gentleman, right? Uh, you know the, how I meant that. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Calgary Police Service has expressed deep concern about the release of Mr. Perron. The parole board says we have no choice, but they do as long as the good people at Correctional Service Canada say... We're going to raise the red flag that's available to us, and we're going to carry that red flag to the parole board, which in effect will then stop you having the right, or at least give you the option to not release the guy. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. And look, the Calgary police are clearly doing their job. One of the developments along the way was that uh, police forces across the country developed what are known as high-risk offender units. Right. So they know who these bad guys are. They know where they're serving their sentences. They know how long it is. They pay attention to that. And as the story reveals, Calgary actually went to the, the Calgary police actually went to the parole board to express their opposition to release. And I have a feeling, if, it, if I'm right, and in fact this, was, this case was never referred, they probably made the submission to Correctional Services of Canada, and they got ignored. So here we've created all these changes to laws and all of the specialized tools for, you know, post-warrant expiry supervision and high-risk offender units. But the, the people who are charged with that responsibility are not using the tools that they were given. Somebody should be asking the question why that is, and if perhaps, and I did a little digging around on some statistics, the number of cases 
what Correctional Services of Canada is actually referring people to the parole board for those decisions, looks to me, based on the analysis of the stats that I saw, it's down below 2%. Think about that. Okay? Why aren't you using it? Do you remember, Roy, as well, too, that one of the uh, correctional workers was asked, you know, why they didn't refer somebody for... uh, 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 or, or, or suggest that they shouldn't be granted parole and was after the fact that the guy had killed somebody. He goes, well, you know, the culture around here is GTO. Get them out. Yeah, I remember. I also and remember you mentioned... new attitude. You, you mentioned Christopher Stevenson, a little 12-year-old boy, who was taken by Joseph Fredericks, who was, who was diagnosed as a homicidal, maniacal pedophile who enjoyed torturing children more than killing them. The system let him out. And the individual, the parole officer, who was responsible for keeping Fredericks under supervision, said during the inquest into Christopher's death, uh, I, uh, I didn't know what a, what a psychopath was. I had no idea. Yeah, they also lost him. Oh, yeah, they did lose him. Exactly, move, exactly correct, sir. Yes, that's why we created the sex offender registry. Like we've yeah. actually made, so don't get me wrong, there's other things that we should be doing here. Uh, but uh, we've actually made some changes, and it is beyond frustrating. Indeed, it's angering to see that the people who are on the public payroll are not using the tools that were given to them. And I'll tell you, Roy, what worries me as well about this, you know, if you've been listening in the last little while, well, people, you know, in in our new federal government are going, oh, gee, you know, the justice system, you know, we have to uh, try to make some changes, and there's too many people in jail. What's been happening is that we have been, in my opinion, we have doing, been doing a better job of targeting the high-risk offenders, the people who commit crimes over and over again. All right. Those are the kinds of people who are ending up in custody and under supervision longer, and that is generally why I think crime has been going down. It's I not... have a very bad feeling that we are heading back to the days of the 90s where we had to go through all of these fights again. Yeah. And a case like this, and the bureaucrats, and you know them, you know them at least as well as I do, yeah. and Correctional Services of Canada say, ooh, gee, you know, this might make me look good if we have fewer people in custody. Exactly. And to hell with public safety. You've reminded us about this for 25, 30 years, and you've been the, the voice of, of seasoned and reasonable justice in this country, and you're responsible for so many of the changes, the necessary changes that were made. Scott Newark, thank you. Thanks. It would be nice if they were used. It would be, wouldn't it? Talk I'll, to you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Scott Newark, former Crown Attorney and former senior policy advisor to the federal public safety minister. When we come back, the Olympics in Rio, and we'll talk to Global News reporter Vashi Capellos, who will join us from Rio de Janeiro. We'll come back in a minute.